This is Kelly and Tom from Up Yours Downstairs, and we have an important announcement for you. That's right. We have found a great investment opportunity in the Grand Canadian Trunkadelic Railroad, and we are looking to get some cash to do it. However, we need your help. Yes. Log on to patreon.com slash upyoursdownstairs to get in on the ground floor mm-hmm. and gain access to super secret awesome prizes. That's right. Many prizes. A chap I know says that this is a sure investment that cannot fail. Absolutely not. It's as unsinkable as the Titanic. That's right. That is exactly how it is. So uh, definitely visit patreon.com slash upyoursdownstairs and invest today. prostitution gambling an open bar is this the suitcase from pulp fiction i can see why i'm in recovery now (laughs) this is the most respectable thing i've ever done welcome to the palm court a mr selfridge podcast i'm kelly annigan and i'm tom schneider and boy howdy do we have good news for you (laughs) yes this episode was a lot easier to stomach than the previous episode yes it was and given that we are recording these episodes on the same day (laughs) what a relief yeah it is fortunate for everyone concerned because if this one had been worse like i feel like this would have just been 45 minutes of dead air (laughs) like i'm not talking about it you talk about it no you talk about it (laughs) yeah So before we get into the recap yeah. of this slightly better episode, <laughs> right? Uh, we do have an Ellen Love letter. Ooh. Uh, customer Julie. Customer, right? Remember? Oh. We had all these names. Yeah. God, we were so young. <laughs> anyway, customer Julie writes, Hi, Kelly and Tom. I just listened to the latest recap of Mr. Selfridge, and I think you've forgotten that George was made head of security. He got mad at Fat Thomas and walked out and was acting as the Manny for Shame Baby. Then stupid Mr. Grove took Shame Baby back. So George was just loafing around and Miss Martle was all, hey, let me ask if you can have a job at the store. And George was all, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but she did. And then there was some rampant outbreak of thievery and Harry decided to step up the security game from apparently non-existent to now George is head of department. <laughs> I found you guys when I was searching for a Downton Abbey podcast. I had never seen an episode, but I bought the whole series on DVD over the summer on the guess that I would like it as it seemed right up my alley. I loved it, and after watching it through once, then immediately doing a rewatch, I decided I needed more discussion about it. So I checked the different podcasts on Bald Move. I listened to Jim and Aaron for Game of Thrones, and I know they cover a lot of shows, so I looked, and there you were. At first, I was like, hey, this isn't Jim and Aaron. Who are these Kelly and Tom people? But I gave it a go, even though I always felt a little left out because those were all recorded back when the show was actually airing and I was so late to the party. The dream I never knew I had of being cousin of the week could never be realized. <laughs> I did start watching Mr. Selfridge because of you guys, and I'm planning my next series to be Peaky Blinders. Actually, I'm tending to choose my new shows based on what is covered in Bald Move because I believe you all would only choose to cover good shows. While I don't always agree with your take on things, Things, I do appreciate differing opinions, and I think you guys are hilarious. Keep up the great work, and I'm glad to finally be listening in real time, as it were. With best regards, cousin, customer, slash, soon-to-be-whatever-the-name-is-for-people-on-peaky-blinders, <laughs> Julie. P.S. I've also picked up on a few sly Big Lebowski references. Kelly recently said something about someone being able to get a toe, which sent me <laughs> into gales of laughter and then saying aloud to myself in my car, There are ways, dude. You don't want to know. Hell, I can get you a toe by 3 o'clock with nail polish. <laughs> Fucking amateur. <laughs> which may explain why i like you guys so much all right well yeah. thank you very thank much you. yeah uh so i uh you know 
As far as I'm concerned, you are a customer of the week. Yes, I agree. So congratulations. You are the first customer of the week, yeah. I think. I think yeah. so. I mean, who knows what we might have done. <laughs> We're very organized <laughs> as, and responsible. As customer Julie just pointed out, I'd also like to say uh, I was at a karaoke birthday party last night, and one particular gentleman, every time he came up, always sang a different Eagles song. And I kept wanting to be like, man, I just hate the fucking Eagles. <laughs> And nobody, and nobody yeah, would get it. Yeah, it that's was unfortunate. Not, not not in that crowd, but that's yeah. okay. Yeah, um, and I forgot that that uh, love letter existed uh-huh. in the previous episode because right. we'd already we'd already remember that George was head of security. Yeah, but she had so much more. Oh I yeah, totally, oh yeah. That I was forgot all... about when Miss Martle was running that hostel for uh, survivors of the war, <laughs> and she boned down with Florian. Yeah. Oh, oh my man, God. Florian. How could Florian! we forget Florian? Oh Florian. Oh. What happened to him? I don't know. Did he just like go somewhere? I feel... Did he lose his hands? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I feel like maybe he died between seasons. Was that Oz where they cut off the hands of that violinist or something? (laughs) Or like he was a cellist? (laughs) Dude, that show was crazy. That show was crazy. Um, And yet it still had a better uh, track record as far as uh, race relations go than this show. That is true. (sighs) Yeah. Yikes. Um, Yeah. But yeah, no, and it just that just took me back too to like remember when it was those like old ladies that were running the shoplifting ring or something like remember that? Oh my god! Yeah, yes, and that one lady got sacked for sewing things into her clothes. Yeah, man, we've really been through it. <laughs> we have been we've through been a through lot. We've been through the Selfridge Ringer, and we've got three episodes still to go through. Mm-hmm. So let's start with series four, episode eight. <sighs> We're so close. We are so close. We're so very close. We, we really are. The end is in sight. Uh, so we start in Crap Club. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Harry and Jimmy Dillon are hanging out, and Tweedle greets them respectfully. One of the two Tweedles. I don't think that's a Tweedle. Oh, it wasn't? I think that was just like the concierge or whoever, you know, wipes okay. your butt for you at one of these clubs. Because <laughs> they order coffee. I can't imagine a Tweedle would have gotten them coffee. Oh, well, okay. Yeah. Yeah. A Tweedle uh, would never have no. Right. I think their their dealings with the Tweedles are now <laughs> at an end. Well, here's hoping. In any case, some upper class twit is comfortable with Jimmy Dillon's presence at the club mm-hmm. now, and he's like, "Hey, that's cool." And so here has this conversation about how you know he also faced discrimination and whatever, and he's also used to having risked all his money on some crazy scheme. But don't worry, fortune favors the brave. Statistically, I do not think that holds up. <laughs> Statistically, I think fortune favors the people who you know invest in very low risk mutual funds <laughs> and uh, you know flee the country when things get too hot. Right. <laughs> uh, his. Harry asks uh, Lady May to come to the announcement for the murder or whatever. Okay. Uh, in the upstairs hall, Grove tells Crab that he is retiring. Uh, and then they see Jimmy Dillon with his accountants. And he's like, oh, those accountants are all so young. And they're like, oh, we were young once. And that's a conversation that they have. Yeah, sure is. <laughs> Jimmy Dillon says that his accountants have checked everything on uh, at Whiteley's and everything's fine. Uh, and so they can get the contract signed tomorrow. And like, it's like, oh, should we be more through? And Harry's like, no, I want to do it. And he kind of cuts Nunu Gordon off, and Nunu Gordon's just. I don't think it was even. I think it was another accountant. Yeah, I think you're right. There was another accountant who was like, by the way, there's all these outstanding, and like both Jimmy Dillon and Mr. Selvage are like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, right. They're like, no, we want to be in trouble. Right. We and- don't want to do our due diligence 
at all. Right. When we're, we have no liquid funds left. Listen, I know we're spending all our money, but for God's sake, don't tell us what we're buying. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't understand why this is happening. <laughs> like, yeah. because, perhaps because of history, and that's fine. Right, right. But I'm just like, no, man, yeah. this isn't, Yeah, this isn't how it works. I know. And then, yeah, because Nunu Gordon was, like, about to interrupt, and he was like, ah, yeah, and then he's like, no, I was just going to say, I'm with you, pa. It's like, don't, don't say that. Like, I liked you better when you were a skeptic, Nunu Gordon. Yeah. And your kids were wearing dresses. (laughs) You're such a forward-thinking dad. (laughs) Two ice creams and a dress. (laughs) Uh, yeah, so they go in the hall, and they tell Grove and Crab that this is happening. Uh, yeah, and then one of the, one of the accountants in a private meeting with Jimmy Dillon is is like, uh, hey, so you know that was just a bunch like there's really problems, and Jimmy Dillon's like, uh, no, no, don't worry about it. These guys can do anything. And so, it's like, but uh, listen, Jimmy, <laughs> I don't know why you're listening to your mom, <laughs> but I think you need to stop doing that because yeah. I don't think she's giving you good advice. Right. I mean, given that she'd been entirely out of your life until, you know, a week ago, apparently. When you killed someone. <laughs> right. Like, this is not a good influence for you. Yeah. Just remember, as a man of color, you're being held to a different standard than Harry Selfridge. Mm-hmm. No matter what Harry Selfridge, it is infinite ignorance is telling you. <laughs> that is a good point. Meryl goes down to the uh, machine room and looks for Tilly, and the artful porter tells her that she got fired. Didn't Meryl already know that? Apparently not. Maybe I was just conflating the next dawn with an already happened. I think that's probably what it is. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I thought for some reason she was told mm-hmm. by Mr. Grove in the last episode that he had sacked Tilly. Uh, apparently not. I don't know. Like, Guess I already- what? We're not going to go back and check, so let's just move on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Meryl's like, oh, wait till I tell my father. And the artful porter's like, well, he's the one who fired her, so, like, do that. Uh, so we see Meryl barging into Grove's office. And he's like, excuse me, I did not say, come. Uh, 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 uh. Um, but he, I do, he's like, Meryl, what are you doing up here? This is senior management only. <laughs> and I'm like, wasn't she up there when she got this job? <laughs> She's there all the time. <laughs> my father's Mr. Grove. <laughs> Oh, right this way. (laughs) It's the nepotist's lounge. (laughs) Oh, hello, Mr. Gordon. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Have you met my mustache? (laughs) It's also the product of nepotism. (laughs) I drew this mustache from hairs from my father's head. And here's my son, the new VP of ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Would you like two ice creams? (laughs) I like the way you think, kid. Who was that? I don't know. Who's the fourth recipient <laughs> of nepotism on this show? I mean, kind of George Towler. Yeah, kind like, of. But he got grandfathered in nepotism once. <laughs> yeah. That's a great phrase. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so <laughs> we learned that Tilly's behavior has been reported as, quote, inappropriate and, quote, scandalous. So... I mean, I'm thinking that, like, her supervisor, like, made passes at her that's what or I, something. That's what and I had thought, that yeah. it was a, a sexual harassment situation. I agreed with you. Yeah. And continue to agree with you until I am told otherwise by spoilers. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so uh, Grove takes some morphine. 
Great. And I called it. You did. He was like rummaging around in his drawer and I was like, oh, is it morphine? <laughs> is it? Is it? And it was, guys. You're it like, was. You're like a child on morphine morning. Oh my gosh. I love morphine morning. <laughs> I can see why I'm in recovery now. <laughs> look, I just get excited when I correctly discern between laudanum and morphine. No, that's good. It's, look, in the line of work we've chosen podcast-wise, that turns out to be a useful thing to it do. It is a really useful skill. Yeah. Oh man. I don't know why, but I just thought about Parade's End. Uh, Nobody even really used morphine in that. No, I guess that's true. I, I also randomly thought about it just yesterday. Uh, call it Parade. parade. <laughs> uh, if you're curious what we're talking about, we did a five-episode series on Parade's End on HBO, which yeah. presumably it's still on demand. I would imagine. I think they generally have like anything they've produced is on demand. Yeah, yeah. God, we gotta rewatch that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's real good. It's really good. This is not our own chutton. <laughs> Oh, I I do often think about, you know, Celia pulling the strings of the shower bath. <laughs> yeah. I mean, although she was on drugs, that would explain a lot about her. That is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hello, Central. Um. Anyway, it's not, yeah, we've covered all that. I know. <laughs> I just, I miss her. <laughs> I know. Parades end too. <laughs> end of parade. <laughs> Call it the end of parade. <laughs> Look, I don't know what to tell you. I saw Doctor Strange. I was thinking about Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. Uh, so they're announcing the launch or the the merger, the big press conference for the merger. Well, except it's not quite a merger. Well, right, the acquisition, I guess. Yeah. Well, and on, except it's not even it's not even Selfridge's that is acquisition. No, it's act- just Mr. Selfridge is acquiring. It's yeah. very. I think if you were to try to sum up this season of Mr. Selfridge, it's everybody commits fraud <laughs> and everybody dies. Yeah. Like, I, just every every person, every episode of this show has just been people doing wildly unethical and in many cases what appear like they ought to be illegal things. Yeah. Yeah. I, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself on right. this episode, but I'm and just every episode is like another ill-advised press conference. Yeah. I'm like, should you even be having a press conference <laughs> if you don't have a press agent? <laughs> right. Are you planning to replace that position ever? No. Oh. <laughs> Mercury. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's uh, two great dynasties, dynasties <laughs> joining forces. Uh, the asks. If he'll be renaming Whiteley's and Harry says there's only one Selfridges. And like, that's only because there were a bunch of Selfridges and then you sold most of them because of your gambling debts. <laughs> so. No, and I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what to tell. Well, plus, I mean, he can't rename it Selfridges if he's doing this with his own money, but he kind of isn't because they used the money from the provincial store. Again, the math here is perplexing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, and yeah, and Jimmy Dillon promises that White Leaves will have business and more, which is... So, prostitution, <laughs> gambling, <laughs> a, an open bar, <laughs> bare-knuckle boxing, <laughs> and floozies. Floozies as far as the eye can see. Uh, floozies apartment, third floor. <laughs> Hello, my floozies worn out. <laughs> I don't know why I'm Claire Foy, but I am. <laughs> Oh, yes. Our floozies are dry clean only, I'm afraid. (laughs) There haven't even been any floozies lately. I know. We just got stuck on floozies. I know. Well, Stuck on floos. We had 
we had a double dose of floozy for this year's floozies. So yes, yes, yeah. Wait, the Dolly Sisters. Oh, yeah. Okay, sorry. So I like, was like, were there floozies on Peaky Blinders? <laughs> there was just that one Russian broad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she was great. She was great. We can't get into that. <laughs> uh, so JD is talking with his mother, who's a character on the show now, mm-hmm. it would seem. And uh, that reporter starts pressing him about whether or not he killed Fat Thomas. And Jimmy Dillon gets not at all suspiciously defensive. Yeah, he doesn't seem like a guilty person at all. Right. Yeah, his mother says he's talking himself to the gallows. Uh, which, you know, yeah. this is the first point on which his mother and I agree. Yeah. Uh, in some boardroom or somewhere, Crab like, sort of stealthily starts looking at some papers, and Grove says that they're confidential, uh, and Crab's like, oh, you got me, and then he, like, steals some of them. Also, if they're so confidential, why are they just lying around places? Right. In this, like... In this business entity... Right. Which apparently doesn't have anything to do with the other business entity, but which nonetheless funds from this business entity were used to purchase this other business entity? Right. I didn't... This isn't even, like occur to me like while we were watching it yeah but it was because they're all acting like it's this big conflict of interest for the selfridges people to work on the whiteley stuff even though literally everybody just kicks up their heels and is like fraud (laughs) (laughs) we love you fraud (laughs) yeah fraudville (laughs) yeah in case you're wondering why there was a great depression it's people just being like well this is a conflict of interest but eh, i think it's fine (laughs) Oh, God. The future. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it hasn't happened yet. Well, it's a week later than the last episode that we put up. Maybe (laughs) now something has happened that is good and positive for the future of us and this country. (laughs) Could be. Uh, Yeah. And, yeah, because Grove has also, like, stolen the floor plans for Whiteley's as well. Yeah, because he's, like, he's chiding Mr. Grove, and then they go to his office. Right. I'm sorry. Mr. Grove is chiding Mr. Crab. They go to Mr. Grove's office, which, like, comically, the floor plans for Whiteley's are just sitting there. Yeah. And it's like, like, why, dude? Like, you might as well have, like, taped up arrows pointing to the... Right, and it's like... Was this supposed to be funny and on what level? Because it wasn't funny. <laughs> like, I don't, I, I yeah. 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 Okay. Look, so, I'm just, I can't, I can't, I, let's move on. Uh, Meryl knocks on Tilly's door. I, <sighs> this went so bad. We also just like jumped from the frying pan into the fire here yeah. in terms of me being outraged. Yeah. But let us continue. Yeah. Uh, Tilly says, stay there, and so Meryl just sort of walks in. So, literally in every instance that we have seen, uh, of Tilly setting a boundary with Meryl, Mm -hmm. Meryl doesn't think that the rules apply to her. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, and it's, like, it's so pervasive that it would be fine if that was the point they were making. Yeah. Like, they, like... Like, they really are really just showing us a great example of white privilege, uh-huh. but they don't think that's what they're doing. No, they think they're telling a story about a black person. Right. But actually, the story is about all of the white people, and the black person is just a MacGuffin yeah. for white people everywhere to feel better about themselves, when in fact they have not done anything. Yeah. Like, it's really... 
Well, anyway, so Meryl gets in there and the reveal is that Tilly has a baby. Right. And we're like, okay. And I'm like, is it like her old boss's baby? Like, what is going on here? Like, why was it this? I mean. Yeah, yeah. And it was just, you know, an out of wedlock baby. Right. But I'm just like, even just like as a character for Tilly, I'm like, why is this the story you're telling us? Yeah. Because I thought she was being set up to be like a protege for Lady May. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, who would eventually wind up, like, running this department. Right. And that's, like, an interesting, you know, empowering story, I guess. Yeah, it could be. And it could still go that way. But it's just, like, why... Well, and also... So, yeah. So it becomes clear that all it is is that she had this wedlock baby. So it's, like, why is she saying not to trust that you can't believe a word her old supervisor says? Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. I feel so strongly, in this season in particular, they're just putting these scenes in there like just to have them yeah i don't even know how to explain what i mean but it's just like they're marking these things off or like you know the things that they're like setting up to pay off later are so blatantly being set up that it's so clunky like when i'm watching a piece of narrative fiction it should feel organic it should feel like it all hangs together as a whole and it shouldn't feel like i can guess what is going to happen right which Ever since, you know, Meryl started white-splaining her way into this plot line, mm-hmm. I've been like, okay. <sighs> yeah. You know, Tilly's having a hard time, and Meryl is going to ruin things, but then Meryl's going to fix things, like, and this Meryl's all, the hero. This is all fine if you're trying to win a Newbery medal in the early 80s, but like... Well, and again, it's not like... <sighs> You know, I'm jumping ahead a bit, but yeah. it's not like even when the Artful Porter gets sacked... Everybody else is still racist. Yeah. The people who are helping her are still racist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not. And again, it's like, this is why, you know, people in, you know, what am I trying to, you know, people who are being discriminated against, Mm -hmm. you don't want to speak up or say anything. Right. Because in the long run, it doesn't actually help you. Mm -hmm. Like if she had gone, like, okay, so let's say she had completely cut Meryl out of the picture. And just gone to Mr. Grove and said, hey, I think I'm being treated unfairly Mm -hmm. because of my race. I mean, first of all, that wasn't a thing in 1928. Right. Like, regard, you know, people. Yeah, yeah. You know, it wasn't like people like bought into, but it's just like, you know, you're not, you're not going to get a good reference for doing that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she would have just kept this shitty job Mm -hmm. making her shitty wages to, you know, provide for her baby. Yeah. Like. That was her first priority. Right. Her first priority was not the morality of what was happening around her. Right. Which is the case for most working class people. Right. Regardless of race. Yeah. And so, you know, this now becomes a story about, you know, these self-righteous people. And I'm not saying that I've never been self-righteous. Sure, sure. But it's like all any of the white people in this scenario would have had to do was nothing. Yeah. And the result would have ultimately been the same. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, unless they're installing Tilly as the supervisor, right? like you're just going to install yet another racist supervisor who, you know, will perhaps not bully Tilly. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I'm sorry. I jumped way, way ahead. Yeah. Just, this whole thing is infuriating. Yeah. And yeah. just from top to bottom, like every interaction in this episode that Tilly has with somebody, they're like, no, I'm going to tell you yeah. how to be grateful to me. Like, yeah, yeah. It's really, it's, it's offensive. It's really, it was really troubling. 
Like, to take it out of a racial context, it's like the episode of Frasier where Frasier gives Roz, like, $300, and then she goes to a spa, and Frasier's, like, <laughs> mad about how Roz is spending her money. Yeah. And then, you know, the lesson is, Frasier, you don't get to be mad when people don't, like, respond to a gift the way that you think they should. Yeah. Uh, but it's the same thing. It's like, you know, getting her job back or not, like, it's, you know, Tilly owns Tilly's feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And for you to suggest that she doesn't is to be complicit in what the Artful Porter was doing in the first place. Agreed. Also, maybe don't have this person you know is already having a hard time with her supervisor make a dress that is not have anything to do with her job. Yeah. Over the express disapproval of the individual in question right. and her racist boss. Yeah. Like, don't meddle, yeah. man. Yeah. <sighs> No, I mean the meddling. Like they're worse than Isabel with the meddling, because at least like Isabel, Isabel's look, meddling. Isabel's meddling is generally not to make Isabel. F- I don't know why it feels different. Yeah, no, I think. I mean, it's not that Isabel isn't trying to make herself feel better, but she at least like she's she signed on to like causes. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, and like not individual person. Well, except yeah. for Ethel that time. Yeah. Well, oh, and I think yeah, she's generally more. She at least gives the impression that. She is willing to hear feedback that her meddling is ineffective and will try to adjust it accordingly or things like that, you know? Well, and meddling is her whole thing. Yeah. Meddling is not necessarily Meryl's thing. Like, she meddled a little bit with Grove and Martle. Mm -hmm. But, like, you know, Isabel's son died. She has nothing else to do. Yeah. But meddle. Yeah. Anyway. Well, and, I mean, at you know, Isabel's whole thing, you know, is set prior to all of this. Well, right. And, you know, she's much older than Meryl. Meddling was all, you know, women of a certain age had. Yeah, and she was, you know, especially once she married into a class that had institutionalized meddling and had uh-huh. forms and processes by which to do it. <laughs> That's the whitest thing you've ever said. <laughs> <laughs> On this Downton Abbey podcast? <laughs> Touche. <laughs> anyway, back to the show. Um, well, that was mostly about the show, but back to a different plot line. Uh, so in Harry's office, Crab tells Harry that he was snooping around with the papers, and he volunteers to go over to Whiteley's and take a look at the accounts and try to figure things out. Because Harry's like, yeah, I know they're a mess. Had to fire the former chief accountant. Um, and this- You can't fire people and not rehire something. <laughs> No, apparently you can. There's- I mean, you can. <laughs> you can do almost anything. Um, yeah, and so that's where he's like, oh, well, I, uh, like the board of directors wouldn't want you to go working for Whiteley's. And he's like, well, I won't tell them if you won't. And again, I'm like, but fraud, right? right. Or at least a conflict of interest. <laughs> you know, sir, if you'd ever hired me an assistant, they could take over some of my duties. Nope. One department, one man. <laughs> It's the Selfridge way. <laughs> Mercury poisoning for all. <laughs> we may have to shut down operations for two weeks, but my God, I love sushi. <laughs> I cannot believe how much mileage we're getting out of his mercury poisoning that happened five years ago. Yeah. Look, when we when we stumble on something, we, we stick with it. We do. Well, I think it provides our listeners with a sense of security. <laughs> I mean, you know. Listen, we could promise you customers that we will make fun of Jeremy Pivens. Oh, this show's ending, though. So I guess, you know, for the next two episodes after this. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so uh, Crab goes to Whiteley's, asks for the accounts department, and it's a huge mess. Uh, So... Like, 
We thought there were going to be people in there, but there weren't no people. No, it's just a pile of papers. Well, actually, I thought it was going to be one of those water drinking birds. Like Homer has to do his job when he gets so uh, obese that he's a dialing wand. Yes. Um, I mean, it's kind of, you know, it's the 1928 equivalent of that, which is just nobody's there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they apparently also had the one department, one man mm-hmm. philosophy. Well, I can see why they acquired that business. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and the, uh, whoever showed him to the thing is like, oh, can I get you anything? And he's like, just a cup of tea. <laughs> a strong one. <laughs> yeah. I love Mr. Crab, guys. Yeah. Love him. Yeah. I think he's my favorite character on the show now. Yeah, I think. Also, here's my, okay, so he and Mr. Selfridge were like, oh, we won't tell the board of Selfridges that you're over there. But this woman that he, he's like, hello, I'm Arthur Crab from Selfridges. I'm like, right. do you not know how secrets work, dude? <laughs> like, don't tell this lady who you are. Like, you think Selfridge's board isn't going to have people snooping around at Whiteley's to be like, hey, are you misallocating resources again, right. Mr. Selfridge? Like, you were just talking to Mr. Keene in the last episode. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Mr. Grove is looking at his Whiteley's blue prints and then goes down and uh, does a little shoplifting. In front of George Towler, who just lets it slide. Yeah. Head of security, the intimidating bruiser George Tower. And also, like, dude, you basically run the store. Yeah. You have an account, right? Like, yeah. can't you just be like, hey, whoever runs this department, I am taking this thing for business <laughs> reasons. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, you can't. Yeah. Like, I've worked in places where, it's, <laughs> you know, you, you know, you have to fill out some paperwork. Sure. Uh, so your accountants aren't left out to dry. <laughs> yeah. So your friend, your best friend, <laughs> Mr. Crab, doesn't come up at the end of, you know, the fiscal year being like, why are we short this minuscule amount of all these? Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, I know stores build in a certain amount of shrink. Right. But. Right. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah. That <laughs> You know, plenty of weird things, but that was just the least explicable. Mm-hmm. Like, there was just no need for it. Um, yeah. Uh, Crab's still working late at night, and Mrs. Crab comes, <gasps> and she brought him I food. I love Mrs. Crab! They're so cute! Yes, She's they're... like, I will take care of you, Mr. Crab! And then she knocks down a folder, and then he's like, oh boy. Yeah. The folder is with all the, like, uh, threatening letters from various predators. predators. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, that's not good. She brought him a tomato from the greenhouse. <laughs> she did. Uh, Grove House, they're having... I would bring you a tomato from the greenhouse, but you do not like tomatoes. Uh, no. Not from anywhere. That is, that is true. I like them only in sauce form. <laughs> and catsup form. Yes. Ketchup? <laughs> catsup. Ketchup? Catsup. So Grove House is having an awkward dinner that only gets more awkward. Um, uh, it's breakfast, actually. Oh, yeah. It's awkward breakfast. It's awkward breakfast. It's hard right. to tell the difference in Grove House. Well, and, you know, it could be any time. Right. It could be anywhere, any date. Yeah. You know, the moon and sun could both be in the sky. <laughs> it's a real Tatooine situation. <laughs> it is. Uh, so, yeah, Meryl says that she visited Tilly and that she has a baby. And... Uh, because at some point, Grove is like, oh, we shouldn't have this conversation in front of the children. And Ernest is like, oh, huh? <laughs> ah, I've suddenly checked in. <laughs> yeah. And so she says that about having a wedlock baby, and Ernest is like, fascinated. He's <laughs> like, this is great stuff. Well, and then Miss Martle says something like, you know, we're in no position to judge Roger. Now, my first question is, what? Like, which, which of the, you know, morally compromising situations the two of you have been in over the years are you referring to? Yeah. And Ernest is like, what are you talking 
talking about? And then Mr. Grubb was like, that's enough, Ernest. And I'm like, did he, <laughs> yeah. did he do anything he except do- for be a wedlock baby? <laughs> right. And have ears. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, Grove, Grove's off to work. Well, and you know, Martle is like, I'm so sorry. And he's like, Mah. yeah. yeah. Get out of there, Josie. <laughs> uh, Crab tells Harry and Nunu Gordon about the shit show that they just bought. The suppliers will no longer offer any credit. Well, he- and he says, I'm surprised that your accountants didn't warn you. Right. And when they, <sighs> and that is the moment where I was like, well, this would be a good time to turn and like glare at Jimmy Dillon, who's just defrauded you, but nope. <sighs> so yeah, they go to Whiteley's and the stock rooms are almost empty, so. And I'm like, weren't they just there? Like, how did they not say, oh, let's just swing by the stock rooms while we're here? Right. No, let's just look at this entirely empty central staircase anyway. Grove asks the artful porter for Tilly's address because he wants to reinstate her. Uh, Shouldn't he, as head of personnel, already have that on file? Yeah. He had her file. Yeah. Like, like with him. Right. That Yeah. Uh, the artful porter complains about Tilly and says that if she's coming back, she'll have to reconsider her own position. And Grove is like, boom, you resign. We're the good guys near the villain. And like Lady May is there and somehow suddenly knows all about the situation. Right. Which Lady May, by the way, is the one person that is often in the room with them. Yeah. And, you know, ought to have been aware that this was going on, especially since she knew that Tilly was, A, didn't have any references, and B, was getting a racist vibe from people, and we thought that that was what May wanted to, like, you know, help yeah. her with. and yet. Yeah. Well, because the Arf reporter's like, I didn't do anything wrong! And then May is like, now you know how it feels. And I'm like, okay, first of all, she was doing something wrong. Right. Which Tilly was not. Yeah. And B, I doubt she's going to take it that way, Lady May. Yeah. That's not how people work. Yeah. No, and then, like, the rest of the... Uh, the racists. Yeah. They're like, oh, it was you that was doing it. I wasn't. Like, so they're all cured, is the point. Yes. They're they're all not going to be racist anymore. Yes, I'm sure that's going to work for the whole time that Tilly continues to work there. Yeah. Uh, May volunteers to go tell Tilly because Grove is uh, sick. Yeah, he's, like, lying in a chair being all like, whoa. Yeah. He uh, gets on the elevator, looks at his morphine while on the elevator, then exits the elevator, takes some, and falls down. I mean, that's too much morphine. Yeah. Look, pro tip. <laughs> if you take so much morphine that you fall down, you have taken too much morphine. Also, please don't do morphine. Yeah. I mean, unless you're under the express supervision of a doctor. Yeah. But- and so follow their instructions, because you could be in trouble. Um, yeah, so Martle comes, having heard the news, Grove is feeling better, he says, in fact, that he's been taking too much morphine. Uh... And then, like, he reveals that he's been planning on a business plan for Whiteley's, uh, and it's, like, just this, like, and it's, like, this whole... No, it's this whole weird reveal because Miss Martle goes in the office and looks at it, and I'm thinking it's, like, some, like, ravings of a madman, <laughs> you know, like, because she's looking at it right. with this, like, bizarre look on her face. They and I'm like, show the plan. Is this the suitcase from Pulp Fiction? Like, what? Is it the Holy Grail? <laughs> yeah. Like, what, what is going on here? And then she goes and gets Mr. Selfridge, and she's and he's like, I'm busy running several businesses into the ground. <laughs> right. And she's like, oh, but Roger has a plan for one of them. So she brings – it's just like this, you know, floor plan with different departments. And, like, right. nothing about this business – like, yeah, this is – I don't think Eyeliner knows what a business plan is. <laughs> right. This is a floor plan. Yeah. Which would be, like, an appendix – 
right. to a business plan. But like any business plan for Whiteleys would have to include where we gonna get stock from. Right. And see, here's the thing. How can Martle just look at this and see its brilliance without all knowing what the existing floor plan already looked at? Because yeah. he's basically suggesting various improvements. And fine. I'm sure they're fine. Mm-hmm. But like Martle doesn't know the deal with Whiteleys. She is an unemployed. She doesn't have a job anymore. Nobody knows the deal with Whiteleys. That's like kind of the point of this episode. <laughs> right. No, but everybody's like, ooh, ah. And I'm like, well, you know he didn't like take things out of petty cash. So <laughs> y'all are still fucked. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so he then says that his wife is insisting that he retire. It was your idea, yeah. sucker. God, I hate this dude so much. Yeah. But he's like, oh, I can do consulting like one or two days a week. So That's not retiring, dude. Yeah. Like, you're dying. Yeah. Like, take some time off and kick back. Yeah. But he uh, isn't going to do that. Said the workaholic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, May congratulates Jimmy Dillon on the purchase or whatever and then asks about the reporter, I, yeah, asked about that reporter that was, like, pestering him, and he's very evasive about it. Uh, Grove limps to a chair in the garden. Their garden is enormous. Yeah. I'm like, where are they? Like, it's like an acre. Yeah, it's, and it's, like, because their house isn't that big. I didn't think, and I thought their house was in the city. Yeah. And this does not seem to be a city garden. Well, it does, and there's, a, I forget whether it was this episode or last one, at some point, Martle says something to Meryl about getting into town mm-hmm. yeah it was it was when the, it was the last episode because yeah. they were talking about eyebrows right right but i'm so i'm like okay where the hell are you guys yeah i also wonder the burbs this. yeah presumably uh so tilly tells may that she is not going back she'll find something better um and that she doesn't want to go there anyway with everybody judging her but may well i mean nobody knows except f- well you know who knows who knows what at this point right, but right. i mean Strictly speaking, the only people who should know are Meryl and Mr. Grove. Yeah. Although I mean, Meryl and her big mouth. Yeah. I mean, if anyway, they'll be, you know, they'll be judging her. Yeah, they'll like be they, judging her regardless. Yeah. But. Yeah. Um, but May tells her that she was on stage and so she's seen a lot of things. And It's just like, I was on the stage, so I'm black. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. It's not, uh, I mean. Uh, yeah. Well, she says, you know. Tilly's not the first girl that she's known who was left holding a baby. And I'm like, you know, that's not like an exclusive right. to class thing, right? Like yeah. plenty, plenty of women in all social classes have been left holding a baby. Yeah. You know, some of them have socially acceptable ways to work around it, but mm-hmm. and some of them don't. But yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, May says she's leaving the author open until the next morning. And so we all know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, Meryl gets home. Grove is dead. Ding dong, the Grove is dead. Which old Grove? Mr. Grove. Oh my God. The thing we have long hoped for yes. has finally come to pass. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. He's super dead. He's really most sincerely dead. <laughs> <laughs> then all of a sudden, Ernest pops out and starts singing, We represent the Lollipop Guild. Mr. Selfridge's grandsons are dancing back up in their dresses. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, and this cuts to then, yeah, so, 
you know, Martle tells Meryl that her dad's dead. And uh, it cuts to Crab on the phone. It's like, oh, Crab gets a call. And he's troubled by something. And the I sequel literally... sequel to our best-selling children's book, Crab Makes a Call. Yes. And I literally cared so little about Grove's death. I saw Crab upset and I was like, is there more bad news about Whiteley's? <laughs> <laughs> I did not think that. I was like, oh, his friend is gone. Yeah. Boo-hoo. Yeah. I'm only sad about Mr. Grove dying in that it has upset Mr. Crab. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, so, yeah, he goes in and he tells Harry. Harry gives a speech to the assembled staff. Um, yeah, a bunch of scenes about Grove being dead. Uh, Harry comforts Martle at Grove House. At Selfridge House, everybody talks about Grove. Yeah, they're having, like, a dinner. Like, May is there and Mr. and Mrs. Crab are there. Yeah. And they're like, you know, he was cool. No, everybody's like, oh, he was scary. No, he wasn't. Yes, he was. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. That's, you know. That, that was the conversation. As you do. Yeah. Uh, then... Everybody has left except for May, and Harry asks her to stay. And I'm yelling at the screen the whole time. I'm like, run! And, like, finally she succumbs to his kiss. And yeah. I'm like, you could have done anything! Yeah. You could have gone back to Paris! <laughs> Just, uh, why is this happening? Yeah. Emigrate to Australia. Introduce ready to wear there. <laughs> Do anything. <laughs> go to go to New York! Yeah. Team up with Kitty! Yeah. Forgot, take Tilly with you! <laughs> yeah. My God! Yeah. Uh, Grove's funeral. Fun fact, Tilly's there. Oh, was she? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, he did fire her and then rehire her, so... Right. But, so that was weird. Uh, I guess she likes Meryl? I can't imagine anybody really liking Meryl, but... Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that that's the only thing one can think. Uh, or Harry they just ran out of extras. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Harry... I mean, I mean, clearly, eyeliner's playing fast and loose in general, so... For sure, yeah. Uh, so Harry uh, kind of tries to hold May's hand, and she fights him off. And then kind of off to the side, she says that they can't do this. He is her employer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is all correct. And he's like, rah, rah, rah. well, she's like, we both got our reputations. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, mine's terrible. <laughs> yes. I want to drag it out with me. This is the most respectable thing I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> now come now. He did, uh, you know, allow the Dark Lord to sire Beatrice upon his late <laughs> wife. <laughs> Beatrice, welcome Mr. Grove into the waiting arms of hell. <laughs> oh, my God. Just the amount of times people in this show say he was a good man. Yeah. Like, if you took a shot every time, you'd be, yeah, you'd have a little tipple. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then May tells Meryl about Tilly. And this is the just the cherry on the, the Sunday here because she's like, oh, you know, Grove hired her back because he cares about you. And that's because Marilyn said something about the last thing she had done was fight with him. Uh-huh. And it was like, oh, and he loved you very much. And I'm like, so really? You're explicitly explicitly saying that the value of Tilly getting rehired was to make Meryl feel good about herself. Mm-hmm. That's... Yes. She was already very wealthy. <laughs> right. And also got a job with no references. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, or prior experience, which at least Tilly had prior experience. That's right. But it's Meryl's feelings we should be most concerned about. Yeah. Yeah. So fortunately, you know, any black people that want to work at Selfridges, you're clearly going to be fine, provided you randomly befriend a relative of upper management. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I would, I would honestly advise just trying to sneak into the nepotism lounge. Yeah. That's the best you could possibly do. Yeah. You know, fake Doris did it and look at her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her kids wear dresses. <laughs> 
Yeah. Back then, the nepotism lounge was off the tea emporium. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, at the wake, George chats with Ernest. He's going to be a dad. Who cares? Uh, Outside, a reporter accosts May and says that he had asked Jimmy Dillon about the death and that Jimmy Dillon was very defensive, which is all true. Martel is sad in the garden, and Meryl's there, and she's like, let's support each other. Harry and Crab look at Grove's model in Anna's desk, and they're like, oh, we should implement this. Oh, yeah, our other store is out of things to sell. But Harry has a plan. He will take all the stock that's sitting in the warehouses for the provincial stores that they sold that they were apparently just going to let rot there forever, and he will sell it to Whiteley's. And Nunu Gordon's like, well, as managing director of Selfridges, I have no problem extending you credit. And... Again, we're like, is this legal? Right. Is is this okay? Right. And we don't think it is, guys. We don't think it is. We think Mr. Keene will have a thing or two to say. Oh, God, I wish he'd come back. I can't believe how starved I am for a character I give a shit about. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we see all the new stock being delivered. Hooray. Uh, then we cut to Jimmy Dillon's bizarrely modern apartment. It really looks like it's from the 80s. It does. Like, and when he but, was at his mom's house in the previous episode, like, her place looked really bizarrely modern. Yeah. Like, it looks like, it looks like a current three-star hotel. Yeah. Like, with the glass doors and, like... Weird, like, deco-inspired chairs. Yeah. It's, biz- it's very unsettling. Yeah. And, like, the color scheme. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway... May asks Jimmy Dillon why he lied to her and is easily convinced that he was not involved with Fat Thomas's death. Yes. And so this scene was super necessary. Right. And that was the episode. I mean, better than the previous. For sure. By a wide margin. Yeah. Um, but again, the next Don, I'm like, okay, like why? It just feels like they're just showing us the next dawn and then confirming everything you know right i i my kingdom for like a bizarre you know opaque mad <laughs> next time on like just yeah. everybody asking questions <laughs> well what did they say <laughs> how many times do i have to tell you he was a good man oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, except mr grove wasn't a good man i know he was a very bad person he was bad he was an evil person from the beginning oh god yeah all right so eight episodes down remember when agnes towler saw him and miss martle canoodling in the elevator and like he like vaguely like threatened her and she was like whoa i I don't know what you told me (laughs) i only do that now just to see the look on your face when i do my agnes teller impression like you just light up i yeah it's great like a veritable christmas tree (laughs) Uh, yeah, so we've only got two more episodes to go, but before then, we have the important matter of the selfies. <laughs> and start off, we'll have the Nailing It Award. We had to give it to Mr. Grove because uh, his floor plan seemed good. Yeah. And everyone liked it, yeah. and it seemed like the only unequivocal uh, success that anybody experienced this episode. Yeah, so. yeah. And he's done with this shit now. Yeah. So he's also nailing it in that sense. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have the stick poke. And that would be May spending the night with Harry. Why? Why? 
Yeah. Why? I mean, I know they were telegraphing in the last episode, but I, I was know. still like, have some goddamn sense, May. Yeah. This whole season has also just been May being like, no, Harry, I don't think X is a good idea. Yeah. And then resignedly giving in. Yeah. No, you can totally see why she is checked out. Yeah. Like, D- even just, in that scene, like, she, like, kind of rolled her eyes at one point. They gave Lord Loxley more to do. Yeah. Than they gave to her. Yeah. It's just, it's awful. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite troubling. Next up, we have the Window Worthy Award. Uh, which, for lack of other candidates, Jimmy Dillon's suspiciously <laughs> modern-looking apartment. Yeah. I mean, it looks nice. Yeah, it looks great. wildly anachronistic, mm-hmm. but, you know, I'd live there. Oh, totally. Yeah. If we get a phone call, oh, yeah, you want to stay in Jimmy Dillon's place? <laughs> Are you that reporter? Yes. <laughs> it's the first rule of improv, Tom. Yes, and... <laughs> And finally, we have the eyeliner scale of eyeliner. Yes, and that we are giving a pencil. Yes, a step up from the toddler-sized crayon of last <laughs> week. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, just killing Grove alone. Right. We were like, good. Yeah. Like, that's not even a quality thing. That's just like a, we hate him. Yeah. No, and I, I guess I'll say this. The Tilly plotline is grotesque and offensive, but it's self-coherent. It is self-coherent. And I mean, we like Tilly. Yeah. I like the actress who plays her. Mm -hmm. I just, again. Yeah. I just wish that everybody in this had something to do. Yeah. It feels like Mr. Selfridge fanfic at this point. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, oh, you know, when Harry and May got together. It's like Tales from Mos Eisley Cantina, except about Selfridges. All right, well, we're almost there. Yeah, we're almost there. We're almost there. Yeah. So until next time, tighten your belts. Tighten your belts.